What? What? Ho, 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 everybody. <laughs> uh, look at the date. Look at the date. It's almost Christmas. I'm being festive. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Happy early uh, holidays, everybody. Did I say Christmas earlier? I don't mean to offend anybody. December 23rd is the date, and before before you you put your your footy pajamas on, before you you tiptoe downstairs to go get the presents or yell at your your uncle or whatever for molesting you. Okay. Um, <laughs> before before you bake cookies for Santa. Before you do all of that, before you enjoy all the festivities, what better way is there to get prepared for the holidays, to get, to get your gears grinding before to, to inject cinnamon right into your asshole, than to listen to some dumb American talking to you about a, a London-based wrestling promotion? <laughs> you know what? Actually, I take that back. I take that back because, first of all, if you haven't listened to my first few episodes on progress wrestling i uh strongly suggest you give them a gander give them a uh is gander gander means look right i guess that doesn't really apply to a uh to an audio medium i guess you could look at it but you know you probably listen to it too to get the uh the full value of it i had a uh intro to progress episode that i released a few months ago as well as an episode on chapters five and six and an episode on chapters seven through eight some uh good uh, introduction to a lot of the characters there and a lot of the storylines that are getting set up and some uh, good matches that happen and some bad matches too so really enjoyed doing those episodes kind of my intro to progress um, for those who do, do not know, I have never watched any progress and I have kind of tried to keep myself in the dark as far as like what happens in the future. Although I know a few things here and there and some guys that came through. But for the most part, this is my first run through of the whole thing. And finally, I got some help. <laughs> so this episode, chapter nine, I have the boys from Wrestling Should Be Fun, a podcast that's available on all podcast platforms and you can follow them on twitter as well at wsb fun uh, also check out their website wrestling should be fun.com i will uh, put all that info in the description as well so definitely check these guys out i had a blast doing this episode with them uh didn't know a lot about them until you know i i found i stumbled upon them on twitter they have a great podcast uh really good follow on twitter as well and in having them on, although there are a few mic issues here and there, which I may or may not leave in just because it's fucking hilarious to me. Man, these guys were fun to do this episode with and uh, kind of to hold my hand because <laughs> I, sh I should mention, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. Um, they are both from London, England, and I think both of them have actually seen progress live uh, a few times. One of them, I believe, lived at some point, you know, just a few blocks from where they uh, did this episode here. So uh, definitely some guys with some firsthand knowledge of the product and of just the UK wrestling scene in general. So it was fun to have them kind of get their insight on the whole thing in conjunction with my American nonsense, as, as usual. But man, Chapter 9, not to get into it too much before the episode, but this was a landmark show for progress. So it was a good one to bring in some guys in 
that know so much about the product to kind of join me in on this episode because a lot of big shit happens on this show and a lot of good wrestling as well. So we got a fun one here for you guys. Progress Chapter 9 with myself and Ross and Matt from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. Everything brilliant. All right. So I'm going to start recording. And now, who's your favorite pedophile that you watch on the show? <laughs> Too many to choose from. <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it was uh, Matt that I was speaking to earlier. God, just watching progress now, because this show was in, what, 2013? Yeah. It, and just knowing everything that happened since then, it's it's tough to watch a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Um, part, part one of this show was pretty unpro- unpro- unproblematic, but part two... Heavy with the with the pedophiles. Heavy. Well, that, that, I, I, I was saying to Hard Ross that I think that the like a lot of it I can well we're both discussing that we can kind of compartmentalize, but the James Davis stuff really stuck out. Like because I don't think I've watched a show with him on until going back and watching this and just been like it's a bit weird. I mean yeah. it wasn't obviously in a match, but yeah, absolute yeah. nonce fest. Yeah, I mean the way I see it, if I can watch Chris <laughs> Benoit, if I can watch Chris Benoit matches, I can watch. Any of these guys wrestling. Damn right. Yeah. Damn right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say what Chris I, Benoit did was slightly worse. Yeah, well, I, I go one step further. I watched a Jimmy Savile match the other day. That was pretty fun. <laughs> he's a, sorry, that's Who a is that? UK reference there, Hard. He's a, oh, he's a notorious UK <laughs> pedophile that had like a 1970s Brit rest career. But um, yeah. So, um, anyway, and, anyway, go on. And he was knighted. He was. Yeah. <laughs> we will knight fucking anyone. <laughs> We are 90 seconds in, and this is already the most British fucking podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Which I like it, though, because I've done a few episodes on progress. I don't know if you guys have... I know, uh, Matt, you said you listened to a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's literally it's just been me, a stupid American, talking about British indie wrestling. It's like, Islington, where the fuck is that? Set in China. <laughs> well, it's fucking. I mean, actually, good good segue into. So the the crazy thing about this show is, I moved to Islington three weeks before this show. Um, oh really? And yeah, literally the garage, not garage as you guys uh, pronounce it. The garage <laughs> uh-huh. is. Um, we yeah we. So like I would was probably four or five minutes walk from there, um, and lived there for a couple of years. And even beforehand, my now wife lived lived that neck of the woods. So I think the first time I kind of came across progress was just walking, like walking through like the, the main street which it's on, and just seeing like a bunch of people in wrestling shirts stood outside a venue. I think it right. must have been probably about chapter four, um, and then <laughs> being like, "What? What the fuck is this?" But um, and just it was like one of these things that I kept meaning like, "I'll get tickets for the next show. I'll get tickets for." The the next show and it took me about five years to actually finally get around and do it so yeah there you go right yeah it's funny you bring that up because i know on commentary they mentioned um that this show sold out in like less than 24 hours yeah so even though it's still very early on in their tenure it's already a very popular they got a huge following behind them which is awesome so you probably went to a bunch of the shows then huh after after you said five years <laughs> after you figured it out well i guess when was your first years. one matt my my, it was in the seventies. So it was, bef- it was not probably too long before Wembley. Maybe a couple of shows before Wembley. I think. Um, okay. What well, you were pretty early, weren't you? Yeah, mine was thirteen. Oh. Yeah. So you guys are familiar with? I mean, I guess because that's kind of a question I have because I've kind of tried to stay in the dark 
um, as far as like where progress ended up becoming. I know certain things. I know a bunch of guys that ended up passing through there. I know like a lot of the uh, British Strong Style guys were there and uh, Matt Riddle, I think, too, and a bunch of that bunch of those guys. But I try to stay, you know, spoiler free as much as I can. Um, in, in watching Chapter Nine, which I'm assuming you guys did, do you think yeah. it's pretty like representative of what progress still is, or do you think progress has changed since then a lot? Um, from my on, I, from my point of view, progress when I first started going was such a great mixture of stand-up comedy, rock and roll mm-hmm. gig, getting pissed with your mates, and I think. The getting pissed with your mates is the only thing that really stayed true, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which was absolutely fabulous. Um, and it's the thing that I miss the most about this COVID world that, that we live in. Um, we go to shows in, in sometimes groups as big, as big as like 15, 16. Um, and we absolutely have, a, have the best time. Right. Um, but it used to be just absolutely raucous because British wrestling in 2013, 14 was, was on its knees and then it mm-hmm. had this huge resurgence. And then actually we actually got a bit spoiled to be honest with the, yeah. uh, with the amount of wrestling shows that we were able to, to go to, like these progress shows used to be like two, three months. Like, yeah. And then you'd be like super excited for them. It would come around to like two, three months at a time. You'd have, and then you'd know exactly what the storyline is. And then because it got so popular, then they were booking more and more matches with more and more bigger roster. And they've mm-hmm. kind of lost their way a little bit in terms of the tight storyline narrative of it, which is something that straight away I noticed when I turned on the, the VOD and watched the show yeah. earlier this week, where straight away they went into the narrative of um, the Sticks versus Cruise match which is something yeah. that we'll talk about later. And I know that Matt's keen to rip, to rip apart, but I'm keen to tell <laughs> you that, that I really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, that um, that's the thing that I think progress lost. It, like it lost its... Their identity. A little bit, but it was just more the fact that it got too big for its boots. Like, mm-hmm. and it was impossible to control. Plus you add into the fact that these guys were then thrust upon NXT UK and they had kind of two cakes to eat at the same right. time and they took their eye off the ball a little bit maybe which is understandable mm-hmm. um yeah but yeah and that's kind UK, of, yeah yeah uk plus other you know wx i mean i don't know if they're ge- geographically even close but like wxw ott um so so many other british promotions i'm sure a bunch i haven't even heard of and i feel like like you said the british wrestling wrestling scene was on its knees in the early 2010s mid-2000s but then it just got you know, shot in the arm whenever it was. Yeah. And they, they went from, from having nothing to having everything within a matter of months, years. Yeah. And and it was amazing to be there for it, honestly. It was it was so so good just to see sure. these to like see these guys. Like how we watched these guys in chapter nine. They, I know you see a lot of them either on WWE TV or NXT UK or Ring of Honor mm-hmm. or whatever it, it might be. So many of them have gone on to good and great things. Um, and we got to see the progression of all those wrestlers from budding weekend warriors that had jobs in mm-hmm. in midweek and then would go out and wrestle on the weekends to becoming professional wrestlers. And it was amazing. 
I think you've got to do a shot, Ross, every time you say progress or progression outside of it. As <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I wanted to, to beat you down for it, but I was going to let it slide because I've done it myself a few times already. <laughs> um, I, think, I think for me, who kind of came to at least going to live shows later with progress, I think I've, um, I think probably for the first time, me and Ross discussing wrestling, I'm going to take a more positive view than, than he does because um, it's very much usually the other way around. But um, I, what I found um, interesting about watching this show was how parts of it reminded me of the progress kind of I knew from kind of, I guess, more modern progress. But part of it mm-hmm. did, and we'll probably get to it when we talk about Sticks and Crews, did remind me of the the, the dark days of Britrest, and I, and the, which is the, probably the, the, the era of Britrest that I'm more familiar with. I, I was going to shows in like the mid-2000s in, up in Yorkshire where a couple, mm. couple of promotions were running there. And yeah, it was the absolute dark days. And, and the early progress shows, I think, still have a hangover of that. There are matches there which you could have seen in 1PW in Doncaster in 2006 and 2007. But I don't think that now going to a, a progress show, you see any of that. Um, which is, you know, so if you're a bit of a work rate geek like me, I think those like modern progress works a lot better. But if you if you kind of like the the carnival spirit and the bit of a, the mixed cards like Ross does, I, I can see why he, he's nostalgic of the early days because because I don't think you really get that anymore. Yeah, I agree, and I think uh, it's interesting because I don't know how familiar you guys with uh, Ring of Honor. It, very, very, very familiar. So. I see some parallels between progress and ring of honor in that because I'm watching the very early uh, ROH shows like from the very mm-hmm. beginning and I was watching ring of honor. I caught onto it live like in the late two thousands, mid two thousands. And I'm watching these shows in 2002. I was like, man, this is nothing like what I remember ring, ring of honor was. Yeah. And obviously it's still in their early stages, a lot of growing pains as with any company sh- shows. But it's interesting how, how parallel these two companies are, even though they're on different continents and that Ring of Honor took a while to uh, kind of find their identity too. And they also reached a point where I think they got too big for themselves, much like Progress did. Because once, like, once Ring of Honor got starting to get TV deals and um, just, just like Progress, a lot of guys getting uh, absorbed by WWE. I mean, look at WWE now. It's filled with guys that were built on Progress and Ring of Honor, like literally. And um, yeah, it's so funny to see how like all these indie companies kind of fall into that same trap sometimes. But um, yeah, so we might as well just dive right into the show because I know you guys are very eager to talk about sticks. <laughs> and <laughs> so I think yeah, one of you brought up in the... Uh, I just wanted to bring this up because it was so funny to me. So the opening like video package, I guess, is building up this match between Nathan Cruz and Styx. And the basic backstory for everybody listening is that uh, Nathan Cruz is kind of like the sports entertainer guy. He's the he's the pro wrestler, and he's claims to hate indie wrestling, which is why he started a stable called Screw Indie Wrestling. It's very on the nose, but um, but it's it's, it's like a pro- back and forth promo in the beginning. Nathan Cruz recorded himself, Styx recorded himself. And it's so funny because Nathan Cruz is kind of illustrating himself as like the big, he's too big for indie wrestling and stuff. So he has like a really good quality camera that he's talking to and a good mic. But then when Styx is cutting his promo, it's literally on like a 2002 flip phone <laughs> camera. <laughs> it's, I don't know if that was by design, but I, I, I loved how perfectly that kind of fell into itself. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. Yeah, massively. I mean, the whole sticks 
promo for me did kind of come out something like the dying days of Brit Ress. This whole kind yeah. of guy just being like, oh, you'll criticize my family. Oh, I'm, I'm doing this for the kids in the back. And you're like, and, and also the <laughs> cadence is just so forced. And it's like, oh, it just, it, it made me genuinely cringe. Cruise wasn't much better, but um, yeah. no, yeah, it I'm was not just. Having that. I'm not having that. Cruise, <laughs> Cruise is great. Cruise is a great promo. Yeah, I thought he was fine. He, I, th- I think he's. I think he's heads and tails above everybody else as far as promos go. At least at this point, he's he's one of the best promos from Hull. All right, I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's the best promo in, in Humberside. But I will absolutely say this, right? So so like Nathan Cruz epitomizes to me the wrestlers that I love, the wrestlers who you truly believe what what they're saying. And I, I, and I think it's because this character of I'm a pro wrestler, screw indie wrestling is genuinely what Nathan Cruz thinks about wrestling. He mm-hmm. like, um, we'll go into it later with the promo that he cuts um, pre-match, but like the stuff that he talks about, which is really on the nose of like, Andrews isn't on this show because he's paid for his own flights to, to, to go to America. So he's undercut me because he's got that gig because he paid for his own flights and I won't pay for it because, because I'm a pro like that right. sort of shit. I absolutely love. And yes, it, it irks people. And yes, like it, it is putting himself on a pedestal, blah, blah, blah. And people hate him for it, but it works. And that's what you want from a heel. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that because yeah, like you said, Nathan Cruz, the things he was saying both in his promo in the beginning and before his match, it felt like he believed it. And I think with any promo for any company and any wrestler in any company, if you believe in what you're saying, at least a little bit, I feel like it comes across through the TV screen. And yeah, like you said, Nathan Cruz, he's just a good talker, but also this storyline they got going on, it seems like something that's kind of rooted in something he actually feels, which... You know, if you don't like Nathan Cruz, like Nathan Cruz, I, I personally thought his tights were a little too small. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, I still thought um, Nathan Cruz has a really good character going on, especially at this point. Um, at least at the beginning of the show, this was my thought because there's someone else that you know has some more character progression. But we'll get into that. But Nathan Cruz is like a, a much higher above everybody else as far as character work goes at this point. Yeah, and what we'll say about Sticks is promo the one time that I truly did dig what he was saying and was like, yeah, I truly do think this is when he got really angry because he couldn't get his jacket off. I believe that. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. You can have that, Ross. (laughs) (laughs) I've popped my shoulder out before because I ripped my jacket off too fast. And boy, you feel like a goose when you do that. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we'll get to sticks in a little bit. Just you got to hold off on on the sticks talk. We'll get to more into it. But we have the opening match here, Dave Mastiff versus Tommy End, a.k.a. Alistair Black. Man, I did not know he was a part of progress so early on, just with much less tattoos and a, kind of a different haircut, I guess. Yeah, I don't remember him from that early, actually. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, I thought he was a bit later as well, like, like in the 20s. I didn't realize he was in single figures. Yeah, and apparently he was a, uh, a last-minute substitution I guess uh, Jimmy Havoc was scheduled to face Dave Mastiff, but uh, Jimmy Havoc got injured the night before. So very last minute replacement was Tommy End. And I think that worked out for the better, both for this match and uh, for a segment later on. But um, 
yeah, Mastiff versus Tommy and obviously both guys that are involved with WWE nowadays. So it's really interesting to see kind of their early work um, kind of before they found themselves a little bit. I know Dave Mastiff has finally grown a beard. It was yeah, so uncomfortable. he looks so was, much better with the beard. <laughs> like the first few chapters, he had a clean face and he just, it was very uncomfortable to watch. I don't know why that it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Tommy End, much more uh, bare skinned, I guess, but less <laughs> tattoos. That's <laughs> kind of a weird thing to say. Um, but the match itself was very good. It was kind of short and I felt like they have a... Uh, like they, they were saving themselves for more rematches in the end, but definitely a really good opener. Um, like I said, these guys are still kind of evolving as performers. And I was, especially with uh, Tommy end, I, I've noticed that he's added so many more facets to his game uh, nowadays. Like he still has the kicks at this point and all that stuff. And obviously uh, still very similar build and everything, but I feel like he's just added a lot more weapons, a lot more knees, like more, more, uh, Muay Thai influences and more kind of lucha influences nowadays, but still a very good match, very hard hitting. Um, I did notice he hit the black mass in this match, but if I feel like it wasn't his finisher at this point because it was a uh, just a two count. But the end of the match comes when Dave Mastiff Dave Mastiff uh, goes for the cannonball in the corner, um, but then Tommy N sits up, kicks Mastiff in the face, and then hits him with a double stomp off the top rope for the win. Uh, barely because Mastiff kicked out. He did, he did the old Hulk Hogan kick out <laughs> at 3.1. Um, <laughs> but yeah, really good match here to start. What do you guys think? Um, I'll start with this one. Matt, um, it, that's right. Yeah, go um, for it. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a few pointers that I had from, from watching the match. Uh, the first one was um, it reminded me of the first time that I took my wife and my sister-in-law to a wrestling show and Dave Mastiff was the first wrestler that came out. Uh -huh. And uh, those those pants that he was wearing that that uh, just say bastard on the on the back of it. <laughs> it's good, my, right? My uh, my sister in law was like, "Where can I buy those pants?" I was like, <laughs> "I'm not sure that it's part of the merch store." <laughs> you yeah, you gotta go to like a, a hardware <laughs> store. I think it's what you cover your car with. <laughs> um, but but um, go into the actual match. It was very much exactly what. Um, progress sold you on it with the British strong style, like uh, mm -hmm. the the like match itself. Great hard hitting action. Um, I absolutely love the fact that they also mixed that in with a little bit of Carney kind of British wrestling as well. They had the classic British bulldog th uh, th uh, thirty second um, suplex slam where right, the yeah. where the crowd count them down. I saw that also, a few times on this show. Yeah, we, yeah, we were still buzzing for the British Bulldog in 2013. <laughs> um, and, I, and I also noticed as well, like, talk, like talking about the old school Butlin style carny wrestling, did you notice that Tommy End used the classic kind of hand clap to, to like get the crowd going? Yeah, that at, was at brilliant. Point in, yeah. Like, imagine <laughs> Alistair Black now on Raw, just like getting the hand clap Oh, going. no. <laughs> <laughs> for someone that's been watching like wrestling on the British scene since like 2001 or whatever, like just seeing that just, just warms my heart. Like, I, like, <laughs> I, like for a guy from the U S watching this, it must be one of those things that are like, what are you doing, mate? But, but like, <laughs> like, good, good, good natured Alistair black is always funny to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I absolutely loved. And I also, um, absolutely loved that uh, Jim Smallman, um, noticed that, um, the attitude in ring for, um, Dave Massive can be a, li a little bit naughty. 
<laughs> which was a which which popped me big um but yeah i also noticed that at the end as well um tommy end got the kind of please come back chant mm-hmm. um which was nice and like it, it it was classic kind of british 250 people in a venue kind of dip, like where one person starts it and then two or three people and then it becomes a, a, a lot like oh everyone <laughs> yeah. just joins in but yeah, then ricochet got that a few chapters ago too yeah that's right yeah yeah and then, but at the end, Tommy End kind of like tries to do that whole like baby face, like, yeah, I'm really feeling the like love from the crowd and then goes to shake Dave Matter's hand and he just completely pie faced him and walked out the ring. <laughs> <laughs> he is a bit naughty. You were warned that he was a bit naughty. You just didn't listen to him. So yeah, those, uh, those, those, those are my notes, but I really enjoyed it. Short and to the point. Right. What do you think, Matt? Um, my main like talking point from it is Dave Mastiff's running crossbody is the sexiest Brutal. thing in the world. I've seen him oh, like so use good. it before, but I like that in that match, I don't know if it's the way black took it or whatever, but it was just a thing of absolute beauty where like, I mm. literally, I rewound it and watched it about five times. I think <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to gif it just to like get myself to sleep. It was just so beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think um, apart from, apart from getting a semi on about uh, Dave Mastiff's crossbody, I don't think I've probably got much more to add than Ross. I think it, yeah, it was a, yeah, a, cracking little opener really and again nice to see alistair black in his wannabe cm punk era time right yeah he just looked like an angsty teenager especially like in his promo <laughs> pick <laughs> also i adore the idea that you have notes for this match and your one bullet is dave mastiff's sexy crossbody <laughs> yeah, that's, <it. laughs> that's really is the main takeaway yeah. <laughs> much gift later <laughs> what does biggie say big men slapping meat yeah you know that that, very much <laughs> uh, but speaking about big men slapping meat that's it's not really what this next match is but um eddie dennis versus paul robinson and this is the uh semi-finals of the natural progression tournament and for anybody listening who's unaware this is a tournament that they started like a year ago at this point. And it's basically a bunch of uh, up and coming guys um, giving them a tournament to kind of have some stakes to their matches. And the winner of the tournament gets a progress title match sometime down the line. And the finals will be on the next chapter. Um, Mark Andrews at this point is already in the finals. So now we have Paul Robinson and Eddie Dennis fighting to see who will face him. Um, I did not know Paul Robinson before I started watching progress, but I'm already like falling in love with this dude. Um, I hope he's not one of the speaking out guys, but <laughs> I choose not to, I choose not to know. Oh, I've got some bad news um, for you. <laughs> oh no. I'm afraid um, I got some bad news. <laughs> go ahead and tell me before I put this guy over. Um, I don't know. He, he was definitely on, uh, I mean, there were, there were a lot of Chris Jericho-esque lists going about when they're Ross and he was definitely yeah. on one of them. Right. Is this weird though? Cause like, People will like associate everybody with the same thing when, you know, but what like Legero did was different than like somebody like, like Tyler Bate, who I forget what he did, but I know it was something very minor. Maybe I had that wrong, but this is like varying degrees of <laughs> abuse, but yeah, I'm, I am fairly certain that he's lower down on the totem pole. So praise away. Praise away. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll edit it in post if he's touching little boys like James Davis was. Um, but yes, uh, solid match here. It was, again, a kind of a quicker match. Um, but I like that it allowed... First of all, I loved 
in the beginning. So for anyone that's not aware, Paul Robinson and Eddie Dennis, when they're standing next to each other, they look like they're completely different species. I mean, is, <laughs> you forget how big Eddie Dennis is sometimes because he's such a lanky fuck, but he's a big boy. He's a big boy. And he was able, because Paul Robinson's also pretty small. So Eddie Dennis was able to just throw him around for the whole match using his, uh, his power advantage. Um, a lot of chain wrestling too, which is fun <laughs> considering the size discrepancy. Um, I think at one point, Paul Robinson just balls up. Like uh, they said, like Johnny Saint used to do that, I guess. Where he yeah, just yeah. lays in the middle of the ring and ties himself, like kind of what Sonata's uh, paradise lock is, but he did it to himself. But then, yeah, the match gets underway and it's pretty good. Like I said, a lot of Paul Robinson flying around and Eddie Dennis catching him and slamming him. Uh, but towards the end of the match, Paul Robinson uh, knocks Eddie Dennis off the top rope and then hits him with the shooting star press and gets the win, which is funny because I didn't realize this at the time, but I was reading up on this show. Uh, earlier today and it's a funny note because mark andrews finisher is a shooting star press so yeah, i guess right, it yeah. might have been some uh yeah. some uh su- subtleties maybe some, not so subtleties some foreshadowing lovely stuff yeah. yeah yeah so really good shit and uh yeah paul robinson gets the win over any Den- over eddie dennis and uh pretty fun match for me what do you guys think yeah I th- I, yeah i think it was solid i think compared to some of the other matches on the card didn't quite live up to it i think the mm. my my biggest issue with the match was the pacing a little bit towards the end so like the, the finish just kind of came out of nowhere there didn't seem to be like a crowd swell for it it's like you hit the move mm-hmm. and it's like oh the match is done um so yeah I, I don't know if that's the guy's fault or if it's just kind of um how, how it fell the only other i guess comment from it is again i know that you didn't want too many spoilers hard but just so you know eddie dennis's gear never gets good it's probably slightly better <laughs> now than what it was then, but it's still watch really him, bad gear. I watch him in NXT UK, and I can <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> he's always had terrible gear. Like he looks I mean, almost exactly the same. Yeah, nowadays. Yeah. yeah, his hair's a little bit better now, but yeah, just just such bad gear. But yeah, it's Couldn't also um, yeah. I think yeah, there's stuff I want to say about Paul Robinson as well, but it, it gets too much into the spoiler territory. So I will uh, I'll keep my mouth shut. Is there um, good things in his future or bad things in his future? Um, g- good things, I'd say. But uh, yeah, M- me and him have a little bit of beef. But he's um, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, go, do do tell, do tell. I might well, I mean, a little bit of spoilers. He's, he's, well, he's got it with everyone. I I just I heckle him a lot. But he uh, he <laughs> called me. I think I think my second progress show. He shouted, "Come on, have a go, you four-eyed cunt." to me so <laughs> like yeah love a bit of rock but he, he has it for everyone he'll kick off with 80 year old men in the crowd and stuff he, he absolutely loves yeah. it but i mean um, i yelled at my girlfriend all the time so it's fine yeah. <laughs> but yeah no um yeah you've got you've got a lot of interesting paul robinson based developments to um to enjoy in the future I look forward to it what do you think ross yeah i absolutely love this match um it's so different to a paul robinson match that that you'll see these days um, yeah. without um, spoiling too much for you. But Paul Robinson evolves incredibly from, from, yeah. from where he was mm-hmm. here, um, where he's part of the Swords of Essex with Will Ospreay. And his moveset is kind of in the same vein as a Will Ospreay. Um, mm-hmm. And it changes quite dramatically. Um, so it's quite fun seeing him go back to it um, kind of seven years later. Um, was he like lose his legs or something? <laughs> he just 
kind of. <laughs> yeah. Or is it like a <laughs> is it like an AJ like an AJ Styles kind of thing where he kind of tones down the high flying and gets more like ground based. Like even more than that. Like <laughs> I can't even without spoiling too much for you. Like he's like he's just, it's just a different human being, Matt. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. Completely different wrestler. Um. But yeah. Um. This really worked for um for me because I love watching people like. Um, Cesaro working play um, when he uh, wrestles up, up against like a lucha wrestler because he's such a good foil, and the size right. difference here was perfect for someone to work off of the base of Eddie Dennis, and some of the chemistry I thought was really really good. Um, there was only one minor um, botch in this match where, the, where where there was one guy that did the ECW you fucked up and everyone else was just like oh fuck off mate. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Dennis was like I didn't no I didn't like, yeah he did yeah he did Eddie. But then they went straight back to the spot because that's what indie wrestlers do. Uh-huh. Got to <laughs> get shit in. <laughs> Got to get your shit in. And it was incredible. <laughs> it was like, it was a move that I've never even seen before. It was like a tilt the wall backbreaker. Backbreaker. Like, but from like a reverse swing, like it, was, it was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I also love the fact that they did the spot that um, Fabian Eichner does a lot in NXT where they, where someone tries to, to do a blockbuster and he kind of catches him into a suplex. Yeah. That was really, really cool. Um, mm. And the Seven Bridge powerbomb looked absolutely horrific in that progress ring. Yeah. Um, I don't know oh, if yeah. you guys watched that, but oh, I, I winced watching that one. And the, and the ref, Chris Roberts, made sure that um, Eddie Dennis gave Robbo a bit of time to blow wind on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was my main takeaway as well. Um, you noted also that uh, he won by the Street Star Press, which is a nice little nod to the fact that he's going to be wrestling Mandrews in, in the next chapter. Um, and my only other note was that uh, his it but is that his entrance music was LL Cool J. <laughs> I'm going to knock you out, <laughs> which is so uh, corny, which is corny as hell. Um, and his music gets a lot better because it becomes yeah. Scroobius Pip and it's one of the best entrances that Progress have got. Yeah, How's that go? Oh, God. It's a, it's like a rap song, but um, it's it's just amazing. It's, it's a real slow build and then it comes out with with a really like tremendous chorus. You're not going to rap for me? I'm not rapping for you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe next episode. Can't, can't, can't blow your load in the first episode we do together, I guess. Absolutely. He's holding it up because he's got to review crews and sticks in a full rap. Oh, <laughs> he's blue balling himself so he can just unload. <laughs> but a match that I unloaded for was this next match Ricochet versus Zack Sabre Jr. versus Mark Haskins. Man, can you guys imagine seeing this match? like a few years later yeah i mean it was still very good here but uh it's just crazy i don't know i don't really i'm not too familiar with where mark haskins went um from here um hopefully (laughs) i don't know i feel like you guys have more horror stories for me but yeah this match here this triple threat match kind of no kind of a a random match Uh, all these guys have been pretty uh prominent so far up to this point, uh, Ricochet debuted in a world title match against Liguero. Zack Sabre Jr. has been, you know, pretty pr- back and forth from Japan. Has had some stuff with like Marty Skrull teaming with him and facing him. And uh, Mark Haskins debuted recently, joining the Screw Indie Wrestling stable with uh, Nathan Cruz and Rampage Brown. So 
essentially this, this felt kind of like a number one contenders match to me, even though they never mentioned it. Um, don't know where they went from here, but that's kind of how it felt. Cause it felt like all these guys kind of had some momentum behind them. Um, but a funny deal that they do here is the screw indie wrestling guys, I guess Jim, Jim Smallman was on the mic, the announcer owner, whatever you want to call him. In the beginning of the match, before the match, he's like, I received an email saying that I'm not allowed to introduce members of Screw Indie Wrestling. And then some Mark Haskins grabs the mic, but the crowd boos him so loud that you can't even hear him, which is amazing. <laughs> A lot of the, who are ya? Chants, you, you know, like you guys do, right? Yeah, um, yeah y'all <laughs> love it. Y'all love that shit. <laughs> um, and I was very, I was kind of confused at the, uh, the banter in the beginning. Uh, Mark Haskins yells at Zack Sabre. I believe it was, you sat on a man's lap, you faggot bitch. Do I have yeah, that right? There's some pretty, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a black blotch on this match that there's some stuff on there. You're like, oh my God. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I just don't know if that's how you guys do it over there or what, but uh, <laughs> that, was, that was rough ski. Yeah, that was a tough one. <laughs> so seven years ago, but you, you forget how fast things change, I guess. Parental discretion is advised. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man. So I think we all take Ricochet a little bit for granted nowadays because a lot of the stuff he was doing in this match kind of seems routine now in 2020 because the stuff we see like in every match that he has. But the crowd was popping really hard for all this stuff. Like when he like, well, head scissor a guy, then nip up and then drop kick him. Like that yeah. feels like something we see every week from him. But the crowd was like, "Oh my holy shit, might." <laughs> yeah, <There he> goes. <laughs> and I, but it's just the speed that he does it at, isn't it? Like, Absolutely, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it's so smooth, and it looked like he was having fun out there. Which, like, I don't want to say he's like lost, lost a passion or anything, but he just seemed like he was looser in 2013 than he is nowadays. Yeah, I think he's definitely a wrestler that really suffers in the COVID era because he's someone that feeds off that crowd mm-hmm. noise, isn't he? For sure. For sure. But uh, yeah, this triple threat match, man. If uh, anybody listening, if you're going to watch one match from the show, I would watch this one because it was a barn burner. Um, a lot of innovative stuff, especially for the time. Uh, double submissions, double other kind of double team style moves. There was one point where Mark Haskins had Ricochet and like a head scissor like with his legs and then Zach came and put Haskins in a single leg crab and it almost looked like human centipede a little <laughs> <did> bit. Look- <laughs> <laughs> Which I could not see it once I thought of that. Um, but the finish of this match comes after a, pr- a decently long match, really high paced, uh, high energy match. Uh, the finish comes when Mark Haskins hits Ricochet with a pump handle driver or uh, made in Japan for any of my new Japan fans. Um, and as he's pinning him, Zack Sabre Jr. comes and gives him gives Mark Haskins the PK, and that gives Zack the win. So Zack Sabre Jr. gets the win here over these guys, and yeah, just an awesome, awesome match. What do you guys think? So, so for me, this is your, your classic indie dream match. Um, it's it's the sort of match that Rev Pro would would easily have booked around this time, yeah, um, and worked in that style as well, where. It's not really storyline led, but I will say that Mark Haskins gave this match something real different because he was your kind of heat magnet in this match and it allowed the other two Mm -hmm. to kind of breathe a bit. Um, He was doing the classic kind of holding the ropes to 
touchy and calling people faggots and mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> the doing, usual <laughs> doing low blows and whatnot. Um, I, 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 so that was quite cool because a lot of these triple threats sometimes they are just kind of like th- three dudes doing moves, and mm-hmm. he and he gave it a kind of a different dynamic, um, which I enjoyed. Um, I also have to mention that there was a really awful bit where someone's just said go back to the Caribbean. To, I think <laughs> yes. I think it was aimed at Ricochet, and it was like, what? <laughs> yeah, because I couldn't tell because Smallman on commentary mentioned that he thought it was directed towards Haskins because of how tan he was. Well, that's but a, who knows? That, that's who a reach, knows? isn't it? That, that, is <laughs> that a reach might have just to, been him doing damage control. Yeah, but. absolutely. To be like, yeah, my pro, yeah, my promotion didn't didn't have that happen, but yeah, oh, yeah, like, yeah, that like that like that sucked, and that took me away from it a bit. But then almost immediately. Ricochet did this submission move that I've never seen previously. Have you guys um, seen it? It was like a cattle mutilation, but whilst he's cut like on like on Saber's back. I think I know what you're talking about. I forget exactly what it was, but I do remember seeing it and be like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, it's just something that you'd never see Ricochet do now. Like it was, it was really mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, um, and yeah, just an incredible match. Like it absolutely flew by. I, I'm not sure how long it was actually, but it felt like it was only five minutes long. It was unbelievable the speed of it was unbelievable and uh, as you say the crowd ate it up 100 percent. and at the end there was a mm-hmm. standing ovation um the one thing that i didn't like too much was the fact that ricochet even though he, he lost the match he took a like kind of he like he went on the ropes and like celebrated at the end as if he'd won the match and then his yeah. music played <laughs> <laughs> he, he won in the hearts of the fans i guess that's all that matters yeah so that's my main takeaway I think my notes are pretty similar, actually. The um, I, I just just thought Haskins in his role as spoiler was fantastic. Like mm-hmm. the there's so many of these triple threat matches, even when you've got like a, a de facto heel in indie wrestling, particularly British indie, indie wrestling, where they basically just wrestle the same. And Haskins, obviously, by the time of the finishing stretch, he was pulling out all the big gun moves and, and fine, but definitely for the first half, like just mm-hmm. tripping Ricochet to stop him like doing his flips <laughs> and stuff. I thought it was, yeah, he, he was just, yeah, he was a, for me. And I'm, I'm a big uh, Sabre fanboy, but I thought Haskins was the, the highlight of this for me. I thought he did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a perfect addition because you have Ricochet and Zach as the work rate, quote unquote, guys, and mm-hmm. you have Haskins, like you said, Matt, like the, the spoiler and um yeah the match just felt like it was a triple threat match because sometimes three-way four ways can just feel like a series of singles matches but this one mm-hmm. felt like everybody was working together not working together but kind of involved in the same system of moves which i thought was really cool to watch but this <laughs> so I, I i was debate on whether i would even cover this part or not but given what happens later i feel like we have to there's a raffle next Yes, Britain. How how good is Britain? (laughs) Is that what you guys do? Is that what you guys do? We just love a raffle. You guys fucking love a raffle. raffle. And a a pint, right? A cheeky pint. Um, We love raffles mostly out of Carlsberg pint boxes. (laughs) Um, So this is like during intermission. Um... I mean, it's a fucking raffle. I'm not going to like go beat for beat on the raffle, but they pull <laughs> Jimmy Havoc, who apparently is in the crowd. He has a fucking beer in his hand. He gets in the ring because, as I mentioned earlier, he was injured the night before, so he wasn't able to wrestle on this show, but they 
pull him in here. Like, hey, Jimmy, why don't you get in here, get some spotlight, pull a ticket out of the box, and we'll give some cunt some prizes. And then <laughs> we'll <laughs> you guys rubbing off on me. And then uh, so Jimmy Havoc, he's in, he's in there. He's just sipping his beer. It's whatever. It's don't really think much of it, honestly. I mean, the winner that gets picked, his name is Christian. And there was a one more match. Yeah, that was so good. After. So good. <laughs> that was one of the biggest pops I had watching this, this whole show. <laughs> um, but just keep that in mind for uh, for later in the show. Jimmy Havoc, Raffle, Christian, cunts. So next match, Nathan Cruz versus Sticks. Um, who, who was the one that had, had all the, the venom built up for this match? Um, I, I think that... Yeah, that was me. That'll be Matt. That'll be Matt. Yeah, I just it's just again, it's it's just one of these matches where like I mean, for a start, the the whole crowd brawling thing just Awful. doesn't just didn't work. Um, and it yeah. it's just just the pacing of the match and everything about it, it just reminds me of the main events of shit shows that I used to go see in Yorkshire, which mm-hmm. is like like eight eight years before this match. And it's like I, I don't know, I think it sticks out as a sore thumb for progress, which I think of as as it says on the tin, progress, you know, it's it's moving past this kind of mm-hmm. trying to be a kind of a WWE no DQ main event. And and on and God and Cruz calling sticks Paul. That was the other thing that killed me. Like people using <laughs> people's real names in wrestling should be kept even if it, if it has to happen, it should be kept. I like kept it to the absolute like minimum. But and the absolute minimum is not Nathan Cruz versus Sticks. So like- <laughs> you didn't think it was worth it. <laughs> I think we might have lost you, Matt. He's too angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he walked yeah. away. Okay, there he is. Yeah, I just had a I had a, I had a Sticks based panic attack, but I'm back. Um, it happens. But, it yeah. happens. But um, but yeah. So I, as you can tell, I wasn't really. I wasn't really up on this match, but um, Ross, who loves absolutely everything, I'm sure thought it was a six star classic, right? And he's a, a well known sticks mark, is Ross. <laughs> sticks. Bloody <stars>. love sticks. <laughs> sticks stars. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm completely in disagreement with Matt here. I absolutely loved the three way that, that finished part one, I absolutely loved the raffle. And then we got treated. <laughs> Match of the night was the raffle. <laughs> and then we got treated to Cruise versus Sticks, which is something that is entirely different to anything else that has been on the card. It, it's a different beat, and yeah, it was slow, and yeah, it was it was brawling, which which neither the people at the venue or on VOD could see what mm-hmm. was going on, which is a major problem. But there was so much stuff going on here, right? So Nathan Cruz is such a well-rounded character. That he comes out right wearing a feather boa for no apparent reason. It's good shit. It's such good shit, pal. <laughs> then he goes on to basically tell Paul that if he wrestles this match supporting indie wrestling, then he's letting down his unborn child. How good heat is that? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Then he goes on to complain about the fact that Mark Andrews isn't on this show because he's paid for his own flights to go to wrestle mm-hmm. in America, which undercuts everyone on the card including Nathan Cruz Nathan Cruz thinks in his mind that he would have had that gig that someone in America whether it be Ring of Honor or someone else smaller would have been on the phone to Nathan Cruz 
with his feather boa, thinking, "Yeah, I'm going to fly this guy out to America to, to wrestle this match." Mm-hmm. And then, it, and then he name drops PN News as someone <laughs> as someone who gave him great <laughs> advice. Matt, why aren't PN you enjoying News. this? <laughs> and then, while she's then basically going on this um, kind of high moral crusade about how how much he knows about the wrestling business, why he should be in charge of the wrestling business, and everyone else needs to fall in line whilst he's doing that. And Paul is in the other corner listening to him. He cheap shots him. This is great. Right. heel work. This is absolutely great. heel work. And then you get all the outside, outside brawling. Nothing much happens, but you do get a great little bit where, um, uh, sticks gets a little bit of blood from, um, a ring post or something, maybe from the brawling outside. And then, mm. There's blood on the knuckles of Nathan Cruz. He gets himself onto the apron so people c- can see him. Shows people the blood that he's drawn from Sticks's head, and then says, "This is on you." <laughs> How Ugh. good is Nathan Cruz? And it is I, good, yeah. Like I just feel like it's entirely different to anything else on the card. I really enjoyed just just watching him work, and I actually felt that Sticks's selling in this match was actually really really good. And then when it was his time to have his comeback, I don't know if, if you guys were still watching this match or if you were bored by this point, but I was still watching it. And Stick <laughs> hit a spear that was equal to Goldberg on Nunzio. It was so good. That was good. a great spear. I remember that, yeah. Amazing spear. <laughs> um, and then you get a little bit of back and forth and a tap out loss for Cruz. So after all that bullshit that he was saying about how great he is, how much better than everyone else is, then you watch the mm-hmm. hill tap, tap out. For me, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in between a little bit. But first of all, Ross, you were shitting on his uh, his boa. <laughs> I, I, I don't have none it. of that. I you didn't like his it. boa. You, did you Did you like his boa or did you not like his boa? <laughs> I just didn't know why he was wearing it. <laughs> I, I'm one click away from kicking you out of this room. <laughs> He's trying to be like a Hulk Hogan kind of guy. He's I'm the WWE guy. So what What do WWE guys wear? Boas. Boas. <laughs> and sunglasses. In, tw- in 2013, yeah, all the wrestlers are wearing boas over there. I, can't, I don't think I can name actually a WWE guy now who doesn't wear a boa. Yeah. It's really bizarre seeing Roman Reigns come out in a boa, but I mean, it's like, whatever, guys. Isn't there an NXT, there's an NXT wrestler called Boa, isn't they? That's isn't close. He the, isn't he the Chinese funny enough, though, funny enough, though, no boas on him. No boas. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he's missing. Zero boas on boa. Just, just welts. Yeah. <laughs> Boa oh, Dallas man. is also close. Oh no. <laughs> that okay, I can't even rebound from that. Um <laughs> but yeah, this match it was like first of all the promo in the beginning, like I believe it was Ross, you were saying how much you loved it, and I loved it too. And it was just you can see how the crowd was like sucked into it because especially early early on in progress, the crowd can be very heckly a lot yeah. of times, but they were all dead quiet listening to every word he was saying. So I think that speaks to, uh, to how well he carries himself and how at least a little bit invested everybody was in what was going on here. Um, but then the match gets underway and like, it's very uh, like the attitude arrow is like this too, right? You get all these stone cold and triple H matches. They always end up in the crowd. They always fight up there in the concession stand and all that shit for like the first 15 minutes. And I feel like that's kind of what they were trying to harken back to here. But the difference between WWF and 2000 and progress in 2013 is that 
progress in 2013 doesn't have fucking lights out there for <laughs> some goddamn reason. And so nobody could see, like you guys are saying, nobody could see anything. Uh, I couldn't see anything. The people fucking right there couldn't see anything. And just not a lot of substance to what was going on, going on out there. It almost felt like they were kind of trying to take up time maybe. Um, yeah. And then once they got back to the ring, it was fine, but it kind of felt like an out of nowhere finish. Like Sticks hits that boss man slam and then puts him in the tequila sunrise with like an arm trap, which looked good. Yeah, it does look good. And Cruz had to verbally submit, which I like the added touch. Like he trapped his arm so he couldn't tap out. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Sticks gets the win here, but it's almost like like it seems like they're building because Sticks beat Haskins the last show. Yeah, so he's just got Rampage to beat, right? Yeah, but it feels like Cruz should be the final boss, so to speak. I don't know. Do you guys agree with that? I know, I know Rampage is the champion, so it makes sense. But it yeah. feels like Cruz just has like the leader presence to him. True. Yeah, and that's where the feud is as well. As well, so I think it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I didn't absolutely hate it, but I did tune out for pretty much all of the in the crowd stuff. Um, but yeah, otherwise not too bad. But <laughs> after that transition into something a little different we have a six-man tag team match t-bone and project ego versus the bangra knights and grado um a lot of <laughs> a lot of comedy in this i don't even know how to even approach this match a lot of comedy in this match i mean if anybody that knows grado knows which by the way whatever the fuck happened to grado do you guys know is he a bus driver now? <laughs> Probably. I think he's a bus driver in Glasgow. Have I made that up? There was there was a recent advertisement for Glasgow buses, yeah, and 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 he fronted it. Oh, maybe he's an actor <laughs> for a bus company. That's it. <laughs> Man, people got tired of Grado fast, huh? <laughs> Such <laughs> he was a shame. A TNA yeah. and... Such a shame. Uh, yeah. Did you guys like him? Did you guys like his shtick? Loved it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It was, it, was, it, was, it was there was a lot of comedy in this match, and I like comedy, especially you know if it's in moderation, which it was. I mean, last match you get a serious one-on-one match, and now you get a bunch of silliness, which is fine. I understand how you know it's structured within the show; it's fine. Um, but I uh, kind of tuned out of this match a little bit, at least in the beginning. I do love, I did love the uh, double ethnic submission. Onto Project Ego, <laughs> the ethic. So it's RJ Singh, who is uh, is he Indian? Do I have that right? I don't want to like just guess, but something of that ilk, right? Um, I'm assuming based on his last name. But he's in uh, everybody in the WWF. For anybody that doesn't get the fucking joke, everybody that's in the WWF who is at least a little bit brown does a camel clutch for a finisher. Um, so that's kind of what RJ Singh is uh, alluding to there. And then at some point, so they have the double ethnic submission on Project Ego, who are Martin Kirby and Chris Travis. They hold on to the submission too long after they reach the ropes. So they get disqualified. But, but what do they have in their pocket? A race card. (laughs) And everybody listening, like, hey, what do you mean they played a race card? You mean like metaphorically that no, they had cards that said race card <laughs> in their trunks. I think they pulled it out of. So I think it was actually sh- in um, his, his, um, his bum bag. His what? The greater bum bu- bag. 
His bum bag. Oh, is I that, think do Americans call it something strange. Is it a fanny pack? Fair enough. Fanny pack isn't much better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, match gets restarted. And then um, Grado and T-Bone start going, going at each other, which is hilarious because this whole dynamic of the match, like everybody in this match is kind of being funny. But then you have T-Bone there who's just like this serious, this big tattooed stoic guy. He's like, I will have none of this comedy bollocks, I think is what he says. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so him and Grado are like polar opposites and they're going at it in the ring. And the whole match, Grado is trying to body slam T-Bone, which is tough because T-Bone is a big lad, as you guys like to say. And... Um, <laughs> He tries all throughout the match, and he finally slams T-Bone. He's all excited. He's dancing. He's doing this stupid shit with his arms. And then Chris Travis from Project Ego rolls up Grado from behind and gets the quick victory out of nowhere. So the heels win, baby faces lose, and then, uh, yeah, a lot of shenanigans in this match. What did you guys think of it? Um, for me, I think I, I I always just get really nostalgic watching Project Ego. I remember I, I watched them mm. on a... Like my favorite Brit rest match before progress started was there was a show in and one PW show in Sheffield in probably around 2008, I guess I might be out by a year or so, but, um, there was, it was a ridiculous card. It had like El Generico versus Jerry Lynn, um, Corey Graves for Doug Williams. Um, it was mm. like Nigel McGuinness was on the card. Johnny Saint for Colt Cabana. And I think the main event was Danny Birch versus Abyss from TNA. But with all that stuff going on, the the, the best match by a mile was Project Ego, who maybe had been going a year at that that point, Max, versus Dragon Isu, who's like a jobbing Northeast wrestler, a bit mm. of a journeyman. And then with uh, Kevin Thorne, who was Mordecai, and they just oh, had yes. this tornado like mental tag match like no dq and it was also what i liked about it is the um uh they came out with uh denim jeans with knee pads over the top which is like the best <laughs> oh, look for great. a hardcore match um and yeah, they, they did one of these like brawl in the crowd kind of things, which actually worked because the venue was big enough that you could see it. And from then, I always like Kirby and Travis, I always had a bit of a thing for. So yeah, watching this match, I thought they did incredibly, but I think it's just because I'm naturally just super high on them. But yeah, it was, um, yeah. So it's... He got too excited. He ripped his mic out again. <laughs> he ripped his mic out again. <laughs> yeah. Right, one there second. I'm actually going to drop my mic completely. Is Guys, you go on. I'm going to see if I can find another way to work this. All right. So where were we at? So Grado wins. No, Grado loses. Poor Grado. That's right. We were just shitting on Grado. I think that's what we were doing. Um, <laughs> you were. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yes, after this match, um, so the heels win and they kind of just scurry out of there. Um, the baby faces are in the ring. Jim Smallman gets in the ring. He's about he's doing the whole let's give it up for these guys little deal, and then as they're all in the ring, who gets in there? It's the London Riots, goddammit. London Riots barge the ring, which the previous chapter was supposed to be quote unquote their last contracted match. Um, so they kind of like storm in there with like hoodies and all this shit, even though everybody knows it's him. Um, they beat up everybody. They beat up Grado and. RJ Singh, Daryl Allen, all those guys. And Jim Smallman, I think they even beat him up a little bit. But then um, Jimmy Havoc gets in the ring with his bright pink chair. Even though his knee's injured a little bit, he still gets in there and runs off the riots. And uh, 
Jim Smallman gets back up, grabs the mic, and he's like, I might, I don't want you guys in here. You guys stay out of Prague or whatever he said. And then uh, <laughs> as he's about, he's about to pick up his hat. He bends over to pick up his hat and then bam, Jimmy Havoc, Seth Rollins's Jim Smallman hits him right in the back with a chair and continues to bludgeon him with the chair and grabs a cricket bat just because, just in case we were confused if it was in the UK or not, <laughs> grabs a cricket bat and beats up Jim Smallman with it and beats up everybody else. And the London riots get back involved and start beating up everybody else that's on the outside. And then um, Jimmy Havoc, who at this point has been like the top guy, basically. He's the guy, He's he's hasn't won a match at this point, but he's like the uh, sympathetic baby face. Um, he's a deathmatch guy at this point, but he's looking to prove that he's more of a uh, technical wrestler or that he has those skills that he hasn't been able to showcase. And so Jimmy Havoc grabs a mic, and that's basically some of the reasoning behind him attacking Jim Smallman, who is the owner, by the way. And he's, I came to progress to, to show that I'm more than just a deathmatch wrestler, and what do you do? You just put me in deathmatches. I'm not a mascot. You're all cunts and all the stuff he said. And then... Um, <laughs> He was like, yeah, I fucked my knee up last night. And the first, your first thought was, who can I get to replace you? Like, and it, was, it was a lot of good shit from Jimmy Havoc here. Um, the crowd is throwing trash in the ring. There's people crying ringside. I think even Havoc threatens to slit somebody's throat at some point. He does, yeah. A bit, <laughs> so, a bit much. Um, but yeah, crazy angle here. I'm surprised this didn't close the show, honestly. Um but yeah, what do you guys think of this this huge angle here? Which I don't know too much about what unfolds after this, but I do know this is the start of something big for progress. Yeah, it's just incredible, right? Um, I, th- I think it's it's the defining part of early progress for me. This is when progress starts. I don't know if, if mm-hmm. what Ross thinks of that, but yeah, just brilliant stuff. Yeah, so for me, I absolutely 100% agree with Matt there in that this is the start of progress. This is when progress became not just a hot ticket and a little underground thing that some people were privy to and other people knew nothing about. As soon as this happened, you heard about it in the wrestling scene in Britain in that this show had the most incredible heel turn in UK wrestling history for a long, long time because this is the only company really that's been doing narrative-based wrestling in a long time right. that, that, that people care about. And we spoke briefly about the raffle earlier, and that was a brilliant way of showing everyone that Jimmy Havoc was the lovable, likable guy, still came to the show, even though he's injured, wants to have a pint with the fans at, at the mm-hmm. bar. He's, he's he feels like he's he's one of you, and then he goes and does what he does here, and I absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. I absolutely love the fact that the wife of Jim Smallman's ringside, you can see her genuine yeah. like shock and sadness and anger and all those emotions. You can see Glenn Joseph trying to get into the ring and London Wrights kind of kicking him down and calling him names and spitting on him. Blah, blah, blah. I absolutely loved it. I thought 
that it would you um you mentioned that you felt that this should have closed the show but i think that having this just after a comedy match was perfect because the crowd were in the in this buzz of enjoying themselves and the shock of this and it's so jarring that it was perfect and the atmosphere in the in the crowd is amazing it completely makes it jimmy's promo work is amazing he even goes as far as to say that um he, he doesn't give a shit about um jim smallman's mum and the and the fact that she's got ms that right, they yeah. like that they did the raffle for yeah like everything is on the nose everything about it is perfect and it's the start of something amazing in british wrestling yeah yeah it's definitely like the first thing that really sucked me in because I, I knew i had like partial knowledge that jimmy havoc turned heel at some point but i didn't know like when that happened or like how it happened um so watching jimmy havoc all through the first couple chapters and then seeing him do this i mean it was definitely like like you said it's kind of where progress feels like it's starting it feels like it's more than just uh like a carnival show that people are just wrestling. It's cause it's like a, it's an episodic kind of promotion where there's running storylines all throughout. So yeah. yeah, I love the whole thing. After that, we have the main event of the show. The progress wrestling championship is on the line. We have rampage Brown, the champion versus Doug Williams. And uh, it was a really good match too, but um, you made a good point earlier uh, Ross about how it was such a jarring thing that happened. Uh, with Jimmy Havoc after the comedy match, which is a good point. So I could see why they put it there. Um, but also it kind of made the main event feel like there was kind of a weird atmosphere to it. Um, I mean, for one, there's no commentary on it for obvious reasons, um, which kind of took away from it a little bit. But also Doug Williams is kind of uh, new to – he's not new to the scene. I mean, everybody knows who Doug Williams is. But as far as being in progress, I think he's only appeared once uh, thus far. Um so it was weird he was getting a title match here. But still really cool to see, especially in a, a 2020 lens because you have Rampage Brown who's gone on to do such great things. And you have Doug Williams who even at this point is a legend in the business. I think this is only like a few years before he retired. Um, and funny, I, I watched Doug, I watched an ROH show from 2002 like I was talking about earlier. And Doug Williams was in the main event there too. So wow. it's, it's, cra- it's crazy the tenure and the, the breadth of stuff that this guy's done in his career um, in indie wrestling. And and that kind of plays into the storyline, I guess, right? It kind of contradicts what I was saying earlier. So Rampage Brown is in Screw Indie Wrestling. And Doug Williams is like the epitome of indie wrestling in the UK. So um, definitely a good dynamic there, and it made sense. And uh, the match itself was really good. Kind of two big lads hitting each other with their sweaty meat. Kind of one of those kind of <laughs> one of those kind of matches. Um, Doug Williams breaks out the chaos theory, which is one of my favorites, uh, but only gets a two count. Then he hits a flying knee off the top rope, only for a two count. But then uh, Rampage Brown fights back and throws Doug like throat first into the second rope, and then hits the pile driver for the win, like almost out of nowhere. So um, this match was solid. I feel like it had another gear to it that they could have hit, but, um, all in all, I enjoyed it. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I, th- I think I've, um, at the time I wasn't a big rampage guy. And I think it's only later where he's really grown on me. Um, now he, he reminds me a little bit of like those kind of nineties, all Japan heavyweights, um, his style. And I think, I think that's another reason why I think, I think he's, he's actually come out to so his influence by those guys. But 
Jumbo Saritas and Stan Hansen's and those guys. And, and yeah, just I, I, I really don't think it's much. I think, again, it, I think if the crowd were, were into it, I think it would have been 25% better. But considering the crowd were kind of a bit befuddled, I think the guys did particularly well. And, and I was really worried that screwing wrestling would get involved too much. Um, I think actually the biggest criticism of Rampage's career is that he's had he's been involved in too many stables, um, but which kind of just mess up his matches. But I think he's um, yeah, I think I think he I think he he definitely definitely delivered in this one. And they, they uh, Cruz got involved in a little bit, but he wasn't involved in the finish, which was which was nice. Yeah, not too much. Yeah, I I thought it was a really solid main event. Um, I do take you, take you guys' point that. Uh, the previous angle completely took people away from the match here. Um, but I think that um, slowly but, but steadily they won them over, not least thanks to um, my man Nathan Cruz being a prick on the outside, um, getting, them in, getting them into the match. Um, my main mm-hmm. um, takeaways here was how over was the Chaos Theory? Anytime, so over. Anytime that he went for it, the crowd were just like... <gasps> Oh, I absolutely love it. <laughs> Even when he signaled for it with his hand. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, um, my other big takeaway was um, the the top rope knee drop that he and Finley and quite a few other Dave Taylor, quite other like kind of quite big guys, people like they have to go to the top rope for one move a match, and they choose to do this knee drop that just looks like it's going to destroy your knees. I've got no idea why you would yeah. choose to do that move. Um, there's no need to, to really do it but yeah that was something that scared me a little bit when I watched it um, but yeah great match for me um, two guys that have got massive respect from the crowd um, and quite rightly um, but my big takeaway here is that I've got an unpopular opinion in that I think Rampage Brown's NXT finisher is better than the power driver because he never seemed to really hit it that well the pile driver? I yeah. thought it was. I thought it was decent. Got a sick pile driver. That was nah, nah. very unpopular, didn't it? <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, it was like he hits it like if you were to walk up on somebody in the street and try to pile drive them. Like that's how he hits it. <laughs> it almost felt like a realistic, if that even exists, a realistic pile driver. <laughs> But yeah, that brings the show to a close. Um, a lot of, you know, when I asked you guys to be on this this chapter, I didn't really know what happened on it. Um, but I think after watching it, it was a good show to bring you guys on because there was a lot of good stuff that happened and a lot of stuff that was pretty monumental in the history of uh, progress. So uh, overall, I mean, I feel like this is kind of a nostalgia uh, watch for you guys, whereas it's like a first, it's like very early in the journey for me. But uh, what do you guys think of watching this show back overall? Fantastic. Like uh, yeah, I think again because it's such a, a monumental show, and and I again remember these kind of times of progress of being a bit of a mix between, like like I said at the start, the the oldest the older kind of well say the mid noughties kind of progress matches, and the more modern stuff, and and, and it, it, I would say it's only really cruising sticks that fell into the fell into the corner. So yeah, as well as the, I thought it was just going to be all about the triple threat and the havoc angle, but the whole show I thought I thought really delivered. Yeah, I'm. I've got not much to add to that, really. Um, just, just my other point is just that I, I felt that it really hit the beats of what a great show can be. There was no point where it, where you were like, oh, I've seen that already, or a match followed another match that that felt the same. So yeah, um, in terms of booking, I, I think the three guys um, did a great job. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, but yeah, thank you guys once again for uh, joining me on this. I know we had a few technical issues, but uh, I think it ended up okay. Um, definitely a lot of fun with you guys. I'd love to have you guys on again sometime. It'd be an absolute pleasure. Once again, thank you to Ross and Matt from the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast for joining me on this journey. What a fucking fun show that was. Um, Progress Chapter 9, as you heard, was a huge show and really lit a fire under the company going forward. So I really look forward to uh, checking out the chapters going forward still. I mean, this, this fucking... Progress just keeps getting better and better as I'm watching it, man. And the wrestling was always good, but man, the storylines are good now. And we're seeing some really big players kind of coming through, you know, Alistair Black, as we just talked about. So, and that's just the tip of the iceberg that we're at right here. So, subscribe to follow me on this journey that I'm going on because boy, howdy, it's going to be a fun one. And, uh, yep, that is all the progress I got for you guys today. Um, I won't progress on this outro to, you know, I just, I, you know, some, sometimes jokes aren't funny when you force it. You know what I mean? You know, I was trying to think of a progress pun, you know, I do them every episode, right? You all love them too. I I get a lot of good feedback on my progress, uh, puns, wordplay humor. Um, but it just didn't really, didn't really fit in here. You know, I mean, I really, should learn from that and try to progress on and get better. (laughs) I'm sleepy. Let's finish the episode. (laughs) Thank you guys once again for watching or watching. I'm 49 episodes in and I don't know what kind of medium this is. Apparently. Thank you guys once again for listening. I'm hard.